get a song stuck in your head? And no matter what you do, you, you just can't forget it. You know, you're at work or out in the garden or whatever you're doing, and it just keeps popping up. Uh, they have a name for it. They call it an earworm. Psychologists uh, use a more clinical-sounding phrase, involuntary musical imagery. But not to worry, they also have a cure. Uh, they suggest that if you can find something else that will occupy your mind, that will keep that song from popping back in there. there there's one psychologist that suggests chewing gum will help. And his theory is that those songs get stuck in our head when we're kind of singing along with them, you know, and then that makes them kind of stick there. So if you make your mouth do something else for a while, maybe that'll get rid of it or so the theory goes. I guess it depends on which tune you have stuck in your head at the time. If it's the theme from Frozen, maybe a couple of sticks of Wrigley could be a good thing. But sometimes a, a good song can be a great benefit to us. It's why we listened to the song in the first place. Music has long been an accompaniment to life. We, we have a lot of different tastes in music, but most people like to listen to one form of music or another. And that's been true for a very, very long time. It goes all the way back into the prehistoric era. Music was a very significant part of the biblical day, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's no accident that the longest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. The early church frequently used music to worship God. To call believers to serve the Lord, much like what we do today. And, and Paul uses that very familiar custom to describe something very important for all of us to understand. It's found here in Ephesians chapter 5. Again, we'll begin reading with verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope this morning all of us can learn to live with a song in your heart. If your life was a musical, what kind of musical would it be? My wife loves musicals. The more old-fashioned, the better. If there's White Christmas showing on the TV anywhere, she's got the popcorn ready to watch it. I've learned to enjoy that experience. I used to think that musicals were kind of all the same. Somebody's walking down the street and all of a sudden they start singing. That always happens in real life. I have since learned, though, that not all musicals are created equally. Some of them are happy. You know, they'll have a little drama along the way, uh, maybe a couple of songs in a minor key. But for the most part, everybody's smiling as they sing. Not so with other musicals. Some of them are hugely dramatic. Nobody ever smiles. Everybody sings sad songs and it doesn't end well. 
And then there are those musicals that just never seem to end. They tell a five-minute story in three and a half hours. It's like Gone with the Wind without the fancy clothes. But if your life was a musical, what kind of musical would it be? Would it be happy? Would it be dramatic? Or would it just be really, really long? Most of us probably would like to be in that first category. We'd like to have a joyful life. Well, how do we do that? Paul gives an answer. He says, make sure you're singing the right song. Again, there in the, verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Now, now Paul is obviously not arguing that we should make our life into a musical. Everybody doesn't break into song when they're in the uh, ordering line there at McDonald's. Although if you're going to do that, I'd like to be there. I would enjoy seeing that. (laughs) But Paul does note the meaning behind music. a, a, A meaning that ought to permeate everything in our life. Paul uses three terms that were common for the music of the New Testament day. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now those words are often used interchangeably, but they do have some variant of meanings. The the word for psalms, it was was a word that was more familiar in Jewish circles. It it described the, the religious songs that were played along with worship, often with instruments. Uh, specifically, they referred to what we know about as the Psalms, the Old Testament Psalms. The word for hymns was a word that would have been more familiar to people who were not from a Jewish background. It was a word that was used to describe songs of praise, uh, very much like our praise choruses today. The last term, it's translated here as spiritual songs, it described a specific style of music that was directly connected to Jesus. The context here would appear to have been those songs that were used in the early church worship services. And they would sing some of the psalms from the book of Psalms, just as we have it today. But apparently there were other songs that they had composed and written to express their newfound faith in Christ. And that's the word that Paul uses here for spiritual songs. Songs are often mentioned in the descriptions of the early church. In Acts chapter 16, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in Colossians chapter 3, in James chapter 5, and here in Ephesians. The songs, however, weren't just for public performance. Paul describes a life that takes this music to heart, a life that is lived out in praise and thanksgiving to God. You may not be able to sing a note, but everyone who knows the Lord can live that kind of life. So ask yourself, what kind of musical is my life? If somebody was watching me, would they want to sing along? Or would they want to run for the exits? More importantly, where do the songs my life sings, where do they lead? Where are they pointing? Where do they go? Is it just a catchy beat? Or is there something more powerful there? Is there something that moves people? If you know Christ... Make sure your life sings. 
Seek to live a life in a way that when people see you, they are drawn to the one you live for. Now, Paul provides a key ingredient to help us to do that. Now, obviously, all of us who are believers, we want to do that. We, we want to live a life that will draw people to Jesus. That's what we want to do, but some of us struggle a little bit with how to do that. Paul provides a recipe with, with a prime ingredient of how to do that. And here's the ingredient. Always give thanks. Again there, verse 20, Paul continues his thought, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. One commentator, a fellow named Curtis Vaughn, has identified four ways Thankfulness ought to be a part of the life of every believer. Here's number one. Our thankfulness should be constant. Paul always gives thanks. He gave thanks when life was going well. He gave thanks when life wasn't going so well. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Whether in prison or a palace, Paul had learned always to give thanks. He knew the circumstances of life didn't change what Jesus had said. His joy in his life was not dependent on what was happening to him at the moment. He could sing as he was gathered with believers praising the Lord. He could sing with Silas in prison. Something which, by the way, made a tremendous impression on not only his fellow uh, prison inmates, but also on his jailer. We may not always like the circumstances we're in in life, but we can always be thankful to God. A God whose power is not dictated by the things that happen to us. We can always give thanks. So first, our thankfulness should always be constant as believers. It's something we should always be doing. Second, our thankfulness should be for all things. Closely related to giving thanks always, we should give thanks in all things. Paul, again, speaks from experience. He had seen how even the worst of circumstances being imprisoned had led to extraordinary results. His being imprisoned had allowed him to share his faith with prison guards and guards who were in the palace of the emperor that he never would have met had he not been in prison. Paul had seen how God could work in every situation. So he was thankful for all things. He didn't like all things, but he could still be thankful for them. We can do the same thing. We do not have to be thankful for every circumstance. We're going to face some things that that we're not going to like very much. But we can always be thankful that God can work in every circumstance, even in the ones we don't like so much. So, Our thankfulness should be constant, and our thankfulness should be for all things. Third, our thankfulness 
is to God, the source of all blessings. Paul understood where his blessings originated. It was not in his great ability or his position, though he was very thankful for every opportunity that he had. It was not through the people around him, although he was very thankful for every friend and every fellow believer. But Paul understood his, his blessings didn't come from that. The source of all good things Paul understood was always God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, he writes, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul understood who it was that was the source of all things. So, number one, thankfulness should be constant. There's never a time in your life that you can't give thanks. Two, our thankfulness should be for all things. Now, there's some things we won't like in life, some circumstances we won't appreciate, but we can always be thankful that God can work even in those difficult times. Three, our thankfulness is to God. He is the source of all our blessings. And finally, number four, our thankfulness is always in the name of Christ as we recognize our complete dependence on Him. Most of the time when we pray, we conclude that prayer with the phrase, in Jesus' name. We often do so almost more out of habit than anything else. That's just what you say at the end of the prayer. That's what you say right before you say amen, in Jesus' name, amen. But what does that really mean? Well, Paul knew what it meant. Giving thanks in Jesus' name, meant Paul recognized everything in his life was dependent on Christ. Everything. And our thanksgiving needs to do the same thing. Fully acknowledging that without Jesus, we have nothing. And that was Paul's prayer. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That would seem like a really tall order to do that, doesn't it? To always be thankful, even when we're sick, even when we've lost a job, even when our life is not going the way that we really wish it would go. To be thankful even in that. But when you think about it, there actually are several things that you always do, regardless of the, the circumstances, regardless of what's going on in your life. There's some things you always do. You always breathe. <laughs> and sooner or later, you always eat. And before the day finally gets done, sooner or later, you will sleep. Not true, all of those are natural processes, things that we have to do to survive. You can't live if you don't breathe. And you understand that, and so you'll fight for that breath. Because <laughs> you know you've got to have it. 
And you understand you have to eat. You recognize very clearly your body cannot go on if you don't nourish it at some point with something. And we recognize that sleep actually is something we have to do. We have to rest. And the longer we go without sleep, the more we realize how much we need it. What if we looked at thankfulness that way? What if we considered thankfulness to God so significant, so important, that we couldn't live without it? Paul did. Paul could not write a letter without being thankful. Have you, have you noticed that in his letters? He, he can be writing a church that's just going through a terrible situation, that they've done some horrible things, and things are just falling apart, and they're struggling in all kinds of ways, and he starts the letter off with the statement, I'm thankful to Christ for you. Wow. This is a man who understood bad circumstances. You think your life's going bad. Paul had been imprisoned. He'd been beaten. He'd been run out of nearly every town he'd ever been in. From a human perspective, if you looked at the job that he was doing, his performance rating would have been really, really low. But he was always thankful. For everything. Now again, he, he didn't enjoy everything. He didn't long for everything in his life. He didn't look for everything in his life. But he understood that every circumstance he faced was another opportunity for God to get glory. And so he gave thanks. Now, now what helped Paul to do that? Well, obviously, one big component of this was Paul was a man of deep, fervent prayer. Through prayer, he could see through the fog of his circumstances and see what God was really doing. Another big component for Paul was faith. Through faith, he could recognize God's presence even there in the middle of a prison cell, bleeding from the wounds upon his body where they had beaten him, he could still sing songs of praise to God because through faith he realized, hey, God's here. God's working. I can still believe. Finally, Paul knew God's promise. He knew the Scripture. He knew what the Bible said God had promised he would do. He knew the words of Jesus. And all that Jesus had proclaimed was the truth. And through God's promise, he could see beyond the darkness of the moment to see that God was going to accomplish exactly what he had promised he would do. So through prayer, through faith, and through God's promise, Paul could always give thanks. We can too. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God. God the Father, 
for everything. In the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, help us be thankful people. That's hard sometimes. God, when we're facing tragedy in our life, when we face difficulty, when things don't work out the way we had planned, it is very hard to be thankful in those moments, Heavenly Father. So we come to you in prayer. We ask you to give us spiritual insight so that we can see that the circumstances of our life don't control us. They don't change anything that you have promised. God, help us have faith. Faith that can see beyond the tragedies of the instant to your great promise. Promise that can carry us through anything we have to face today. And God, help us to recognize your promise. You have kept every promise you have made. There's not a single thing in your word that either you have not already accomplished or you will one day accomplish. We can know that. Despite the circumstances of our world, despite all the sin and agony that we see all around us, we can know that you will prevail and we can live our life in that promise. So God, help us, help us always be thankful. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.